So, you know, they, those people wasn't, wasn't that friendly. What you didn't know is the people in front of you and the people behind you are visiting too. And they don't know nobody either, so everybody just kind of sits there. So you, you just give us a couple weeks and we'll get around to you. So you didn't know that, did you? You ever thought of that? Nobody spoke and they probably left. You know, that family of five in front of me didn't say nothing to us and they were visiting. So anyway, we're glad that you're here. Second Kings chapter two. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters of the Jordan and they were divided hither and thither. So they went, the two went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when Elijah and Elisha had gone over, he said to Elisha, Ask what I will do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Just a side note, because I won't get to it in a message. Um, for those that don't attend here, this, this man, is uh, this pastor is sterile, and I can't have children. And I told the Lord, if he ever gave me a little boy, I would name him Elisha. And I just have one prayer, that whatever you ever did in my heart, that you do twice that in his heart. Whatever anointing would be upon his life and couple times a month, I will tell that story to him on the bed and his little face lights up. And so there's a, there's a connection to me in this story outside of just the preached word. But Elijah said, before I'm gone, ask what I can do for you. And Elisha said that a double portion of your spirit would be upon me. Now in verse 10, he said, you have asked a hard thing. Why don't you just focus on that? It's not a hard thing to receive from the Lord, is it? I'm just posing the question. He said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, y'all remember our Nevertheless series? All right, this is part two. We're talking about the difficulty of the double portion, the double portion. He said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be so. But if not, it shall not be so. So they traveled further, and as they went on and talked... There appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire from the sky and parted them in half or asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his clothes and he rent them, ripped them into two. He took up the mantle of Elijah or the cloak, if you will that fell from him and smote the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had smitten the waters, they parted again. And Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah now rests upon Elisha. Very quickly before you're seated this morning, the world is quickly, if not already, fallen off the ledge of morality, godliness, and sanity. Everyone, Christian and atheist alike, knows that something's wrong, and the world is spiraling, if you will, out of control, and darkness on the horizon is getting denser and denser, and the cry is coming out, where is God? 
Where is the God of Elijah? Where is the God of Israel? Where is the God of the New Testament? It's supposed to be resting upon us. It's supposed to be in us and on us. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. The difficulty. There's a great blessing to it and a great honor and a great effectiveness. But the difficulty of being saturated and carrying a double portion of God's Spirit. Let's pray together. Lord, help me today, I pray. Help me today to preach in such a way that people would be arrested by your Spirit and by your Word. Some would even cancel lunch plans and say, I've got to go talk with God. I've got to go be alone with God. May we make decisions today that will change our baby's future. Change our destiny, O Lord. That we would change direction and pace. Create within us, O Lord, the courage and the character to be all in with you. No reserves. Lord, that we could with confidence answer the world when they say, where is God? We could say humbly but confidently, in me and on me. For your glory's sake, I pray this morning, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In the modern day church, little to nothing is said about the the anointing of the Holy Spirit on the life of a Christian. Many mainline Protestant churches don't refer to it at all. They speak of the earnest of the Spirit being given to those that believe, but outside of that, the Spirit is just relegated off to the side and we really don't talk about it much. Or in Pentecostal charismatic circles, sadly, it is misrepresented and cheapened into something that comes upon you uh, under the shaking hand of a man who's trying to push you to the ground and he's screaming, telling you what to say and say, you got it, you got it. But the anointing of God is a hard thing to come by. The presence of God on the life of a believer, there's a measure of it that's a gift, but to walk in the fullness is a hard thing. You know why this became popular and the pastor would come, you know, all the people line up and he'd just push them over. You got it. That didn't cost you nothing. That's not how you get supper or lunch today. Somebody push you over, it's free. You have to, you, there, there's a process to these things. And the gifts of God, are, just because they're free does not mean they don't cost. They cost in the life. Jesus said in Revelation, I counsel of you to buy of me uh, gold and, and salve for your eyes that you might see. Let's do commerce. Pay the price for these things. If an anointed life was easy, more people would be anointed. If the victorious Christian life was easy, more people would be victorious. And if overcoming was easy, more people would be overcomers. I've got four for you this morning, and I'm going to go through them as quickly as I can. Because blessed is he that short-winded, for he shall be heard again. That's, that's how that works. It don't have to be eternal to be eternal, baby. Just, Olivia told me the other day, she goes, Daddy, I like your preaching. You just get it out. You just say it, and we go. Thank you, Olivia. 
they visited somewhere, and she goes, he just kept saying what he was going to say, and then after he said it, he told us what he said. And I was thinking, just say it, man, just say it. <laughs> just wanted our guests to know we're just real people. Isn't, we ain't going to impress you. I'm just, this is all there is right here. This is it. It's why I wear a suit to compensate for everything, you know. <laughs> all right, number one. Elijah, see, th this is a type. It's not a perfect type, but in the areas that it is a type, it is perfect. Elijah is a type of Jesus, and Elisha is the type of the servant, uh, us. And we follow him, and we, we receive from him. It's hard because of the calling, if you're taking notes. Number one, the calling. May I just read this to you, 1 Kings 19? So Elijah, Elijah departed and found Elisha, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And Elijah passed by him and simply put his cloak upon him. And Elisha left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray you, kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said, Go back again, for what have I done unto you? So he returned, took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave to the people to eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Much is said about calling, the calling of the Christian. I'm called to missions. I'm called to pastoring. And I know what we're saying. We've all said it. I've said it. But semantically, that's not correct. We, are, we have one calling unto him. The rest are assignments. And responsibilities. When Elijah came by and Elisha is just doing everyday things and he throws his cloak on his shoulders and walks away. And Elisha's like, L -l let me just go kiss my mom and dad goodbye. And he left it all to follow him. Yes, Christ saves you at no cost to you, but to follow him is great cost. It's hard because of this calling. It's a divine calling. It said that God spoke to Elijah. He said, go anoint Elisha as a prophet in your room, in your place. Now, notice the type. We could never be Jesus. But we are called to be Jesus unto people. When Jesus ascended like Elijah, he poured out his spirit, his mantle upon us, and we are to go in his place. We are to say what he says and do what he does. And love who he loves and be his ambassadors. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Not just sons, not just servants, but we represent him. This is a divine, holy thing. I was teasing with someone uh, in, uh, before service, you know, in our humanity, when you're having a bad day and you're ill, you know, and I glance down sometimes to look and see if I got my Christ Chapel shirt on. Because then they'll, oh, you know, I met someone from Christ Chapel and he was mean as a snake. You know, you, oh, thank you, Lord, for that grace. It's just blue. It's just a blue shirt. Not, not a problem. But uh, there is an overriding understanding that he's called me unto himself. I didn't join a church. I was adopted. I was joined, made joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I wasn't looking for him. That calling was unexpected. I, I, I kind of am wary of people that talk about finding God. I found God. He wasn't lost. You didn't find God. God found you and found your hiding place. And unexpected calling interrupted your plans, interrupted your sin and your rebellion and the ignorance of your youth. 
interrupted you and threw a cloak on you. And you knew at that moment, I have to leave what I'm doing and who I'm doing this with. And I, I can't hold your hand and hold the hand of the people I'm with now. This calling was divine and it was unmistakable. It's not a gradual thing. You have to have a moment in time in your history where you can point to and say, that's when I made the break. I broke from this world. I broke from this world and put my hand in the hand of God. I wasn't going to live temporally anymore. I want to live eternally and have an eternal focus. I left. I left. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. And I will be to God to you. There ought to be an unmistakable event. And then it progresses with distance. It's an unmistakable calling. I love it when I see an accomplished man or a woman introduce themselves by what they do for God instead of what they do in the world. Someone will say, say, what do you do? Say, well, uh, uh, I, I work with the little boys at church. I'm a Royal Ranger commander. Oh, and I practice law. You see how upside down that sounds? Not to the believer. What do you do? I'm a worship leader. Oh, and I own my own company. We did 100 million last year in revenue. Why'd you say that one first? Because the second's what I do. The first is who I am. It was a calling unto God. Your life is to reflect the image, the person, and the priorities of Jesus Christ. Come with me. He didn't invite Elisha to come with him so Elisha could be great. He came with him so that there would be someone to carry on what he did. It's an unmistakable calling. It's a personal calling, both official and intimately. Yes, there was a public calling. People saw it. People saw you make the change. People saw you come out of your old lifestyle and they wonder now why you don't go and do the things you used to do and you're different. There was an event where God's a spirit fell upon you and you, you changed and you moved, but it's also an intimate calling and there are things involved that no one sees, no one, does, no one knows about. It's a personal thing. When God puts his hand on you and you know you're not worthy, you know, you don't have to have nobody tell you you're not worthy. You know, you know you're not worthy, but he chooses to sup with you and to share meals with you and sit alone with you and cry with you and, and, and encourage you and laugh with you. And Elisha, listen, here's the payout. He puts the mantle on him. Elisha receives the calling he makes the break, but he gets to live with Elijah. In the Old Testament, prophets were as close to God as you could get. They housed the word of God. The Bible speaks of Old Testament prophets that uh, their words, if it did not come to pass, they did not speak for the Lord. And they would, they would start with, thus saith the Lord, and as the Lord liveth. And they would pronounce these things. See, they didn't have a Bible. They had prophets. So Elisha got to live as, with, with God, if you will. The voice of God, the word of God. And see, for us, when you receive this calling to be his and to follow him, you have intimate moments that no one knows about. I don't have time to tell you all the different things that were so personal, so precious, 
so insignificant to the world, but life-changing to me. I could tell you the times I washed Jesus' hands, but I, I can't tell you the times he's washed mine. Precious, beautiful nearness. I'm amazed at the people that think they're going to go to heaven and enjoy Jesus forever and they don't enjoy him here. Isn't that some insanity? Better move on. Somebody lost their joy right there. It was just... It's a personal calling. It's a consuming calling. Say, I saw your friend the other day. Is he a believer? Uh, I don't, never mind. What do you mean, never mind? You just answered it. Is your husband a Christian? Well, uh, never mind. Why, what do you mean? You answered it. You can't follow God and people not know it. <laughs> you can't. My direction is different than the world's. My pace is different than the world's. My priority is different than the world's. My power is different than the world's. It's different. It's unmistakable. And it's precious. And it's consuming. The older you become in Christ, your, your, your theme ought to be engraved in you. How does this bring glory to the Lord? I'm amazed at the Christians today that'll ask me, what's wrong with it? And I want to ask you, what's right with it? This calling is a consuming thing. No part-time Christian. No part-time Jesus. No part-time faith. Don't be deceived. There's only one calling, and it's all-consuming. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, you can get mad at me, and you can leave, and I... And, God's listening to me. I wouldn't lie. I don't have one person in mind. I am amazed at the people that, amazed, I tell you, that will post all over Facebook about uh, award shows and Super Bowl halftime shows and stuff, and it be some of the most satanic, ungodly, reprobate-filled stuff, and I'm thinking, how, do you, how do you do that? You can get mad with your pastor all you want to, but you're not going to say in that day in front of Jesus, John didn't ever tell me to be separate. John didn't tell me. It's consuming. It's narrow. It's narrow. I can't watch them come out with occultic dress and occultic themes and then say, yeah, well, the song before it was a good one. I don't want none of it. I don't want none of it. I don't want any of it. Can you imagine if Jesus appeared in person, in that moment beside you. Standing on stage, high as a kite. Yeah, I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ for everything. He, on the war show, I just turned, Lord, put my lightning rod up. Don't hit me. I just saw it. I didn't even want to look at it. Wake up, wake up. This is a consuming calling. It's not part-time ministry, part-time profession. You know when Jesus loses people? When he narrows the way. He said, are you going to leave too? That's what Jesus said. I just began to tell him about my, my, my body being broken and the blood being shed and they all began to leave. You going to leave too? You know what I hear coming up in the, in the true church of Jesus Christ? Where can I go? It's you that has the words of eternal life. Where am I going to go? It's a costly calling. He lost his family, 
He lost his friends. This wasn't some loser that wanted to be out of his house anyway. He told him, he said, if you'll just let me go kiss my mom and daddy goodbye, that's a good son. I'm not just going to leave. I have to honor them. But he, he gave up. Grace is the story of what God gave up for me, but my life is the story of what I gave up for God. My life. It's kind of uneven what all he did for me. And you hear Christians get up and talk about all they gave up. Yeah, I gave up my drunkenness and my addiction and my perversion. And it was a hard, kind of a good swap, wasn't it? You know. But we do lose relationships. Can I tell you a very, very small thing to you? But it's still, I, I'll see uh, online fraternity brothers from 19 in the, yeah, long time ago. For, the girls asked me the other day, did they have color pictures back when I was in college? But every year, a couple times a year, they all go to Tampa together and they go deep sea fishing and they go hunting. Guess who don't get invited? If you're going to go out with all your college buddies, like, go call the preacher. Tell him to show up. No. <laughs> but it costs something. It costs something in your family. It costs something at work when everybody goes to lunch and they don't invite you because you know that they know that y'all don't have much in common. That don't mean you got to be weird, okay? Weird is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You come into, come into work with a dolly and a 62-pound King James Bible and slam it on your desk. You ain't, ain't got to be that way. Just, just be Christ-like and full of God, and the division happens. But it's costly to follow Jesus. Songs like, Though None Go With Me. Wonder, wonder what happened for somebody to write that. Yet I will follow. You keep bringing that stuff. Don't even come back to our house. And a man loses his parents or his children. You're just so narrow. You're just so narrow. It's because the way is narrow. It's a humbling calling, both in the choosing and in the serving, and it's a confirmed calling. Number two, it's hard because of the testings, the testing of his affections. He said, let me go and kiss them goodbye. Just think of that phrase, goodbye. I'm going to spend my life and waste my life on the Lord, even if it costs me these personal relationships. I heard a story years ago about a man who felt called to be a pastor, minister, a young man, um, just an average, normal person. And his wife just hated the idea of it, just hated it, and would tell him, I don't want to be in no pastor's wife. I don't want to be in no church. And he loved her and she loved him. That's the bride of his youth, but she didn't want nothing to do with ministry and his family didn't want anything to do with it. And they mocked him and they'd say, we're going to go do this, but oh, you probably have to stay and study, you know, and they just, they just mocked him. Now I wasn't there. I only heard the story of this many years ago, but uh, he was at home one day by himself and he just dropped dead. He just dropped dead. And you, you, the, one of the saddest things, and I, I know there's several preachers here, the saddest things is to go to a funeral where the people or the person you're burying didn't know the Lord. It's, it's a very, how can you dispense comfort? You know, it's very difficult. 
And they were going through the, oh, I loved him and he was always, you know, never said a bad word about anybody. You know, can't everybody that's ever died not said a bad word about, what was that? Uh, I, I'll come out. That made me lose my train of thought. Oh, so, and it's a serious, this is a serious story. So they're at the funeral and I've never seen this happen. I'm glad I've never seen it happen. But somebody that no one knew stood up and began to prophesy at the funeral. Right in the middle of it, he stood up and he said, because you would not share him with me, I brought him unto myself and sat down. And when I thought, when I heard that, there was something in my heart that went, it realized that there's a two-sided coin to this. I recognize what he did for me, but he recognizes what I do for him and what I give up for him and what we do. That's why he tells us, even when you give a cup of cold water in my name, I'm going to reward you for that. I want you to know that I see that this calling is costly. I see that you go outside the camp bearing my reproach, finishing up within yourselves the suffering of Jesus. I see that you allow yourself to be alienated, excommunicated, misrepresented, maligned, mocked, persecuted for his namesake. It's costly. There's the testings too. The testing of our, infection, of our affections. The testing of our will. When he burnt his plows, it was symbolic. He took one of the yoke of oxen, he burnt the plows and the oxen and fed everybody. It was his way of burning the ships and saying no going back. I know I had plans, Lord, but I scrapped those. My plans, my, my desires, my goals, my dreams. I come to the foot of the cross and I dig a hole and I bury them there so that you might have your way in my life. And it doesn't mean that God won't let us live out many of those desires and plans, but it would be his choosing. Elisha was tested in his affections, his mom and dad, tested in his will by burning of his plow, testing of his comforts. By yoking up with Elijah, that's going to be a difficult thing. Elijah's just the guy that just shut up the heavens for three and a half years and there's famine. Ain't a green piece of grass nowhere. No green bushes. All the animals are dead. Everybody's parched. I mean, it's just barren, dry. And he goes, I'm going to go hook my wagon up to Elijah. So everywhere you go, you know, you with him? You remember the king called Elijah? He said, you're the one that troubleth Israel. That was his name. You experience this. I do too, in a different way, maybe a different level. And they say, well, so-and-so-and-so, and so, what do you do? I'm a preacher. Oh. Well, what kind of church? Do, what, 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 you know, what type of? Oh, it's Assembly of God Church. Oh. So do y'all do them tongues things? Do you, do you talk in tongues? Yes, ma'am, a lot. Oh. 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 I said it in a humorous way to let you know that Elisha knew when he answered that call that the vast majority of the people didn't like the man he was linking up to. And this world despises Jesus Christ. Despises him. You don't hear Muhammad, damn it. 
You don't hear Buddha, damn it. You can, you can teach and preach any religion, no matter how bizarre, no matter how cr curse words are reserved for Jesus only. I, 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 I yoked up to him. And you can say what you want about me, but you better keep your mouth off my Savior. I'm not ashamed of him or his words. That's my Lord. And I will gladly bear the reproach of those that know him not. That doesn't make me a martyr. It makes me his. You don't like my wife? I don't like you. <laughs> Brother John, we're supposed to love our enemies. I love my enemies. I don't love his enemies. Do you hear me? David said, remember him, King David? Remember him? He said, oh, how I hate your enemies, oh God. The world is more committed to the world than Christians are to God. That's scary. The testing of his comforts by yoking up with Elijah. The testing of his singularity. He didn't, look up, he didn't yoke up with Elijah and 16 other people. No other Savior. No other Lord. No other focus. The testing of his resolve. The prophets came up to him in, in an earlier chapter and said, Did you know the Lord's going to take Elijah from you today? He goes, Yes, I do. Hold, and he, just keep your peace. Shut your mouth is what it means. Hold, hold your peace. Quit. He understood that there's going to be distractions and opinions of people. And what they were saying is, it's about to get very difficult for you. Why don't you come live with us? And those that answer the call of God, your resolve will be tested by spiritual people, by carnal people, and worldly people. And you just tell them, hold your peace. I'm going to finish this race. I'm going to finish this race. And Elijah, I get this so hard to get them both. Elisha would say over and over again, if you read the story in Kings and 2 Kings, he would say, as the Lord liveth, I will never leave you. Elijah would ask him to tarry here. He said, as the Lord liveth, I'm never going to leave you. Did you know that God's going to disappoint you? Did you know that God hasn't answered your prayers? Hold your peace. I started this race with the Lord and this journey, and I'm going to finish it. The testing of his sincerity. Elijah had three areas where he was on his way to Bethel, and he told him, stay here. And he said, as the Lord liveth, I'm not leaving you. Bethel is the place where you wrestle with God. He said, you, I'm going to, to the place of wrestling with God. He said, I'll go. Then he took him, or Elijah went to Jericho, the place of cursing, a hard place. So Elijah, type of our Jesus, I'm going to a difficult place. Stay here. He said, as the Lord liveth, I'm going to go with you. Then he goes to Jordan, the place of, uh, of death, where you cross over. All the way to the finish line, he said, just tarry, tarry here. Stay here. And Elisha said, no, as the Lord liveth, I'm staying with you, and I'm going with you. And that brings me to this final part. The testing, it's hard because of the requirement. He asked him, he said, before I go, because he couldn't turn him away, couldn't get rid of him. Elisha, like old yeller, he's going with you. He, he, he's not leaving. He said, uh, before I leave, what can I do for you? And he said, I, I just ask that a double portion of your spirit be mine. And he said, you've asked a hard thing. 
um, if our musician would come, please, this morning. Um, it's an embarrassing thing, really, to, to share with you. But uh, You know how you'll be reading the Bible and uh, something will just jump out at you and you go, thou art the man. You know, when David heard the story and he goes, that man ought to be put to death. And Nathan just, as you, David, that I'm talking about. And he repented. When I was preparing for this message, I saw where Elijah, the type of Jesus, Elijah asked the one following him, what can I do for you? And he asked for more of the one he was following. And I realized and came to the conclusion that how you answer that question is a clear indicator of who you are and where you are. What can I do for you? And the Christian world says, new cars, new houses, next level, new dimension. My primary prayers have been for temporal things. Elisha's prayer was, I just want more of your presence, Lord. He said, now that's a hard thing. Solomon asked for wisdom, and he needed it. But if he'd asked for the Spirit of the Lord, he'd had both. What is your primary prayers of, of, of supplication request? The primary one should be, I want more of you in my life, Lord. I want to walk closer. I want to have more of who you are in me and on me. And I want to bring great glory to you. Now, having said that, I have these needs and I bring them before you. Yes, they're important. Well, your pastor repented before God. I want my prayers to be eternal first. Godly. How you answer that question. You've asked a hard thing. But if you, and I, I think this was kind of odd at first. He said, you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me when I go, you can get it. Anybody ever at first read go? Well, he didn't know when he's going to go. We don't know when the Lord's coming back. We don't, we don't know. Who gets the double? Who? What's, what's the Lord saying in the passage to us? It's that if you're close enough to me to know when I'm leaving and I distance myself from you, it'll rest on you. Do you see the beauty of that? Don't get distracted. Don't look away. If your attention is on me and you see me when I go, what that, the answer is, you ask the hard thing because you've got to live right next to me, committed to me, and so close that if I step away. See, Samson didn't know that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. Saul didn't know that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. But Elisha knew that the Spirit of God in him was leaving because God sent a chariot of fire. Horses made of fire. I hope there's a video store in heaven. I want to see. The, I'd like to see that. I want to see them. Can you imagine petting a horse of fire? You didn't know your pastor was a little boy, did you? I'm like, oh, 
that is so cool. That's just a horse of fire. Now watch, watch, watch what's happening in this last hour. All this talk about the supernatural and power and this horse come down and an, and an angel made a fire and it said, it didn't say Elisha, Elijah got on the chariot with him. It said it divided him. It came between Elijah and Elisha and he wasn't watching the horse and the chariot. He said, my father, my father, the horsemen of Israel and the chariot thereof. He said, I'm not looking for signs and wonders. I've got my eyes on him. I'm serving him. And that mantle fell from heaven right in front of him. And this nobody, if you will, when I try to think of nobody, this John Wood kid went and picks up this mantle and walks over to an impossible place and says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he smote the waters, the Jordan River backed up and he walked across. He didn't start a open the Jordan ministry or a parting the waters ministry. But do you know what everybody said? They said, the spirit of the Lord rests, or the spirit of Elijah rests upon Elisha. In this last hour, I'm asking you, I'm asking, I'm not telling you, I, I ain't qualified to be your judge. What do they say about you? If they say, if their first thing is, John's a good preacher, then I failed. It's hard to live a life in such a way that someone would say, the Spirit of the Lord rests upon you and rests upon you at a high cost. But in this last hour, how is Christ's chapel going to answer the question? How are you going to answer? Where is God? Are you willing to pay the price so where you can say, he's in me and on me. Let me bring you to him. I'm not him. Oh, no, I'm not him. I'm nothing but a servant. But a double portion of his spirit rests upon me. I don't know if I'll live to see it. Sat on the bed the other day. I got to wrap this up with Elisha. And we watched Superbook of Elijah and Elisha, the mantle falling. And I'm, I'm telling him the story again, again, about, and I said, Elisha, God's spirit's already in you and on you. I said, you're going to be so much greater than your daddy ever was. You're going to tell people about Jesus. I said, look at your hands. And I held his little hands. I said, there's going to be power in those hands. You're going to put them on people. They're going to get well. I said, but it's not going to be you. It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit. You were born into this world through your mama's desire and your daddy's prayer that he would have somebody to follow him. And he just, he just smiled. What kind of man would I be to want them for him as my son and not be that for him as his son? Do you see? We just we gotta change some things. We gotta cut some things off. It's a hard thing. But it's so doable. You walk as close to Jesus Christ today as you want to. And you're as full of him as you want to be. 
Where is God? May we be able to say, through the passing of these tests, he abides in me and on me. Would you stand with me this morning? No one looking around, please. This is something you can work out at home. You don't have to do it here. There are people in this room that years ago, God threw his mantle on you and you followed him for a while, but you've turned back. It's time to repent of your repentance. You're turning back from your turning back. And go back home and say, can I go with you again? There's others that you followed the path of this pastor and carnality and living for this world, maybe, and the things of this world. And your primary request has been for temporal things and not eternal. Oh, God, make my request pure and good. I'll bring those other things before you, but may my primary request be to be filled with you. Lord, would you do that for us? Would you let that mantle fall from heaven? And may we be quick to grab it, quick to roll it up, and quick to smite it at the feet of our impossibilities and watch you move for us. For your glory's sake, O Lord. I don't know what you're doing, O Lord, but do it in me. I don't know what you're doing, O Lord, but do it in us visit this local church again, oh Lord, with your glory, with your power, so that Jesus would be made known. May they say of us, oh Lord, I don't care if this community is impressed with us. We're not building a brand. It doesn't matter. But may they say, you go in that building and God's there. (laughs) Let them say that, oh Lord. Christ, chapel, the anointed ones, chapel. And I just believe you're going to do it in us and for us. In Jesus' name. I feel better. Hope you all are good. You received that this morning? Amen. Before you go home, this won't take but just a second because I'll kick myself if I don't. Some of our lifelong friends were with us today. Uh, Andy and Lisa Hunt. Lisa, I asked her to play for Just, I just want to tell, I wanted them to have this in their hearing. I don't know I'll ever get another chance. They were with us, what, 15 years or better? You won't find two more faithful, serving, good people and their babies to their family. And I let... Drew and them, take them with them to raise them. Great is my reward in heaven. But uh, I just wanted to, in their hearing, tell you that it's it's just a joy for y'all to be here today. And we love you. We appreciate you. And wherever the Lord leads y'all to go, you know, just whatever. Just listen, you know, unclog ears. Hey, guys, have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you. Oh, football next door. That's for you young people.
Enjoy. All right, if I could have your attention. If you're staying for our youth versus youth leaders, make your way this way. Go to this screen. Jason's actually leading the way. I'll open this door up, and we've got hot dogs and drinks and chips waiting on you right there. See you over there. I am. I'm playing. 